Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, you've never seen him very upset. It's Hunter Heilman. That shit gets me hype. It really does that like in I don't know about your screening, but the screening uh, I went to for by the way, everyone, we're talking about Mission Impossible this episode. Um, people were like, what? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I per- I went and saw Sound of Freedom. Oh, no. You know, I was actually now. Now I'm we're not, really going down a rabbit it. hole. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. Moving on. I'm not trying <laughs> We're really going down road, but but no, it's funny you brought that up because I definitely texted a friend of mine here in town uh, and was like, "Yo, you want to go see Sound of Freedom just for just for the hell of it?" And he was like, "No," and he's like, "I'm not paying to see that." And I said, "We don't have to pay. The Christians have already like bought." Yeah. Did, did you read that IndieWire story about like apparently that might be why? I mean, if people are like genuinely want to go see this movie and are moved by this movie, like I'm. I have nothing against that, but um, the, I don't the, really the understand idea of, how it works. I guess so. Like, from what I understand, it, th- this is a really niche way to start off our podcast because, as I understand it, most sorry, people don't we even were know supposed what this to talk movie about is. Tom Cruise, but here we are talking about Jim Caviezel shit. <laughs> um, so, as I understand, it's basically like they have some system where, like, you Hunter Heilman could pay you. Like, I'm gonna pay. You'll pay for your ticket, and then you'll pay for like. 10 other tickets and those 10 tickets will go into a bank to where then if i'm like i jesse nussman don't have the money to go see sound of freedom i can just sort of get one of these free tickets off of the studio's website and that apparently works so i guess like churches and advocacy groups and people have just been buying like scores and scores of tickets for that movie to like so people have no excuse not to see it but also that might be inflating the box office numbers some here's an idea how about instead you pay taxes or actually give money to organizations that are helping with uh human trafficking which from what i have heard his organization is not really one of them so anyway um so <sighs> now reeling it back to that first digression i was going to do uh i don't know about your screening of mission impossible but as Let's soon as Let's move to another religious zealot <laughs> but as soon as the theme song what kicked I in like. People were like dancing in their seats and like getting really into it and almost like j- jumping out into the aisles. Were so well, excited it, and hyped by that by the theme song. It builds wonderfully in this one. It like takes an entire scene for it to fully kick in, and it's lovely. It also it's very much so reminded me a bit of No Time to Die, and that I was like, I know this opening credit sequence coming, but we're at like thirty minutes now. Where the f- is it? Right. It's a long opening yeah but so, like it pays off it's just like it it, it does well to it but any any yeah, time it, it comes on i i just want to jump out of the the my seat and go running into the parking lot yeah this arrangement was particularly good the one in, in dead reckoning because it featured a lot of drums and i watched lord valves behind the scenes like of them recording it and it was very fun so Hunter, I'm gonna I'm gonna next transition us to I don't even know if this is really that hot of a take because I feel like I've shared this take with everyone in my life. But I wanna see what you think on Mike. I think Mission Impossible is at this moment our best movie franchise. At the moment, I would probably agree with you on that one. I think ha- it has had a, a stinker. There's one maybe movie in the series I don't like, which maybe we can talk about. We can go through yeah. our brief thoughts about all of I these just, movies. I did but... my full rewatch recently. Yeah. From like start to finish. And I don't do that often. So that means I like something. If I'm really sitting down and watching six movies to prepare for another one, it means I like it. I don't do that with any other series. I didn't even do that with the new Insidious, which... Um, oh, yeah. I hear that's um, not good. It's not... No, Pat- oh, God bless you, Patrick Wilson. You are so hot, and you are a talented actor, but not a director. Also, he sings the song over the end credits, too. It's very much that so man that can't have thing. everything. He can't be ridiculously good he looking, is- have a ridiculously good looking wife, be a great singer, be a talented actor, and be a great director. He something 
something yeah. has to be off. He's yeah. a good singer, though. He is. I, he is. But it did feel it did feel a little like that. Um, the Timothy Dalton from Hot Fuzz, just the like, just <laughs> photos, but like multiple layers of such. Um, I always forget he's in the Phantom of the Opera movie, the Gerard he's, Butler. And he's, He's good. He's, he's good in it. That's, that's a boring thing. as shit movie, but he's it's he's a bad. good singer. He's like the best part of it. And I'm like, that's Patrick Wilson before he was Patrick Wilson. But like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would say currently, yeah, best film franchise because it's just in its current form the most consistent. It is. It, I think knows what it is and is not yes. trying, like, if anything has more zeroed in over time what works about the series and what people really like about it, as opposed to, like, trying to change things up or be like, I don't know, what if we tried this this time? Which, and, I'm I'm always for big swings, but I like how yeah. they've gotten just more focused with, like, this series is literally just Tom Cruise doing crazy stunts and we don't need to overthink this. It's literally... This. It's like, it's his blank check where as long as you can exist within the name of Ethan Hunt, mm-hmm. we will let you do whatever the fuck you want. Literally, whatever you want. We're not going to let any of the other actors do it. But, like, you can do, who cares? If you die, make sure to get it on camera. Like, I I, I thought it was funny how, like, this most recent installment is was initially being billed as like part one of a two part finale for Cruz in this series. And then like, there was that interview recently where he was like, I saw the new Indiana Jones movie and it's great that Harrison Ford's doing this at 80. I think I'll keep doing that with this series. And she's like, this this man won't quit. I did. I said that in my review. Every time I would mention like, this is the big finale question mark, like, like parentheses question mark. I don't really think it is, but like if they, I mean, here's the thing the box office returns of these movies are just going up. It's not fizzling currently. Mm -hmm. Each one makes more than the last one. Yeah. So, like, why would they stop? So... You know, especially when this is his flagship series. Yeah. You could maybe argue Top Gun is, because Top Gun was his most popular movie last year, but I feel like Top Gun... This is a series that that he kind of had... In a way. Yeah, I mean, he has producer credit on all of these series. This is kind of his bread and butter franchise that he's He's returned to... Him and Macquarie are the only producers on this new one. Yeah, I mean... They kicked J.J. Abrams to the curb. They're like, no... Now, we don't need you on this one. Thank you so much for your time, though. Yeah, I mean, this series really from the beginning when the first one launched was something of Tom Cruise trying to say, like, I, I need a movie series for me that I can continue to return to. And, you know, I can go off and I can work with, you know, P.T. Anderson and Stanley Kubrick every now and then. But this can be his sort of, like, safeguard always can return to and it's going to be a big hit. And I feel like for the first four installments of this series no, three three say three i already know what you're about to say just say Are, is, is it the the director's showcase argument about you know the first four of these it's kind of like the alien series was for a long time of like the cool thing about these is it's basically Cruz would just pick some sort of big director and bring Never them mind. on this and say what like I thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say the first four just weren't as good i was like no you leave ghost protocol out of this i love ghost protocol that's actually one of my uh, favorite ones so it's my third it's my third favorite in my ranking but we'll like, we'll, we'll get to our our full rankings uh, here in a bit but like the fir- first four movies in this like he has brian de palma come and do the first one john woo coming to do so the second wild. one I know, like I, I the so first... <laughs> wild to think of those two, and those are my two least favorite. Which could you imagine? Interesting. Like, in world... I I am quite fond of the Brian De Palma one, if only because I think it's a combination of like our blockbusters these days are so bland and so sanitized, and I'm just for I, the last time I watched it was like this is way more Brian De Palma flourishes and like voyeurism than I remember, even if it's not like the full pervy like dressed to kill brian de palma experience and see that when i watch something that has brian de palma's name on it i kind of expect that so when it's kind of when it is you know like obviously he wasn't gonna make an r-rated psychosexual like mission impossible movie this wasn't gonna be eyes wide shut pre-eyes wide shut but like you know like 
it's got enough of that this... stuff in there to where it like like I feel his fingerprints on it, yeah. even if the one uh thing I cannot defend that movie on is because it has like three screenwriters. It is like one of the most incomprehensible, like hard to follow movies I think I've ever seen. Like I really don't. I cannot remember what it's about. All I know is I'm like, oh, that's right. Uh, uh, Vanessa Redgrave's in it, and now like, even as I'm watching it. I, I cannot follow what's going on, but I think it's it's a testament to just sort of De Palma's gift as as just sort of like an, an yeah. artisan of the, the thriller that he is able to keep you like invested and on the edge of your seat in that movie and yeah. orchestrate these great set pieces, even as you're like, I don't really know like who's working with who and who's double crossing with who or like what they're trying to get in this situation, but I'm on the edge of our, my seat. Um, Two, I'm with you. That's the one that I don't like, but is is an example of what I'm talking about. Like that is unmistakably a John Woo movie, and has all of the the aesthetic flourishes and hallmarks of yeah. John Woo. Even if I think that movie is, I think its failure is it is like way way too stiff and self serious and kind of like. But static. it's also silly at the same time. They're doing the silliest shit of like a a, a grand contagion that could uh infect the world and they're treating it very seriously it's like it's trying i feel like this one was really trying to capitalize off of the brosnan bond movies Mm. and i'm like this is not that mission impossible is not american james bond yeah like let's not try to make it like that that's also the one that like basically has the same plot it's basically a remake of the hitchcock movie notorious right yeah Pretty much, yeah. And they tried to inject a lot more, like, sex appeal into it, which, don't get me wrong, Tom Cruise in that movie is hot. Tandy, I've, I do not believe that there is anyone who has ever been hotter in a movie than Tandy Way Newton is in that movie. But it just doesn't really work for Ethan Hunt. I don't think that he himself is a sexy character. No. I think it- Tom Cruise is attractive, but I don't find Ethan Hunt. I'm not, like, Ugh, give me that in the same way that like watching like Daniel Craig's Bond, where I'm like, ah. Well, put put a note in the like Ethan Hunt thing because I think that'll become important as we get into the later movies. To another point, I have to make. But then you know, JJ he brings JJ Abrams on for the third movie, which if you're familiar at all with with um Abrams series Alias that he had kind of created up at that point, um his mission impossible movie is basically like a big budget episode of alias, essentially like all the stuff with like Cruz's character having a double life and kind of like the way the IMF works in that movie is like very similar to, um, how the spy network works in alias. Um, and then credit very hot in that movie as well. And then, uh, Oh, well, I also got to mention that that movie has JJ Abrams, not a great, director of action set pieces as much as the other people in this series but that movie has the best villain in it of philip Philip seymour hoffman just sort of like it it is just that eating that 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 the scenery up yeah devouring absolutely which kind of like that was one of my main issues rewatching ghost protocol when i was like oh yeah like i love you michael nickvist you're great you're not Philip Seymour Hoffman, but I have to respect both of you because you're both dead. Um, There's maybe like, one Mission Impossible movie. I, I think Henry Cavill and Fallout is like the closest they've gotten to Hoffman of just like actually pretty memorable villain that you've had in one of these movies, even though you don't totally realize he's the villain until like near the end. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I don't think these movies are necessarily always about the villain because I feel like a lot of times it's much, it's so much bigger than the one villain. In right. The way. And, and that's the plots are so kind differs. of inconsequential to these yeah. movies, but the three is really the one that I think kind of gets closest to that, like, James Bond esque idea of, like, the big bad See, guy and stuff. Yes, but style wise, I feel like they were trying to go a little bit more born with. Yes. Like, with Mission Impossible 3 trying to make it more, like, heavy and, like... And I think the the plot of that one justifies it a little bit more. There's a little bit more at stake there, especially with kind of the introduction of Michelle Monaghan as his wife. Mm-hmm. But, like, a weird pivot to go from the end of Mission Impossible 2 to picking up in Mission Impossible 3, and he has this whole 
thing going on with like a double life and shit. But like, you know, that was when I was like, okay, I think they're starting to take this a little bit more seriously. But like, then like Skydance came on to start like co-producing them with Ghost Protocol. And that's when everything just, I mean. Yeah, I mean, Ghost Ghost Protocol, I remember when that one was coming out. And that's the one that Brad Bird directs. And Brad Bird, even though he is thought of primarily in the animation sphere with having done like The Incredibles and Ratatouille and The Iron Giant is, I think, up there with people like James Cameron and Steven Spielberg as one of our great, like, action set piece directors. And certainly, like, if you're familiar with The Incredibles, I think there's, he brings a lot of that kind of, like, making Ghost Protocol feel more like a team-up movie in a way that Mm -hmm. Ethan Hunt is leading as opposed to just sort of being, like, the soul man that's got to go out there and save the world. Yeah. Um, Mission and, Impossible and it, 3 had a taste of it where yeah. it was like Maggie Q, Jonathan Reese Myers, where I was like, y'all are so close to there. Bing Rames like, would I always pop about- in and out of these, but but four yep. is really where it feels like like let's make this like an ensemble team and yep. let's have this kind of like familial relationship between them and have sort of birds. I I think his his aesthetic is a little bit harder to kind of pin down, but I just think his kind of gift with kind of cartoonish set pieces and being able to do these kind of like big over the top sequences really shines in that movie. And I remember that because, because three, one and two were huge hits. Three came so closely after like Tom Cruise's couch jumping and a few bad that the box office kind of dipped on that one. And so when four was coming out, I remember it was in this real fallow period where Cruise had had like a few movies that just like did not click and we were like oh gosh we're really returning to this and then sure enough like walked out of the theater that, was like, that that was a- amazing it was like one of the best well, action movies remember, i've ever seen yeah i just remember like seeing trailers for it for so long because me and my dad used to go to the imax in downtown raleigh all the time which is if you've ever been it's huge it's like the biggest flat screen in the in uh north carolina is that the and children's show- theater it one is which fun story they're not showing oppenheimer there because it's rated r Oh, they don't. I know. They're not going to let the kids see um, Killian Murphy's big, big swinging dong on in, they in have IMAX. Hard line, no R-rated movies policy. Despite the fact that I saw Sanctum there in oh. 2011, which is rated R. So what's the T Marbles? What's what's your problem? You're Team Barbie, aren't you? Okay. Um. I almost, never mind. Um, we, don't, we don't have time to get into the, the dumbest no, internet discourse. No, <laughs> I'm so, I'm getting sick of it. Um, but yeah, like that was when I just remember seeing the like filmed in IMAX type thing. And you didn't like back in 2011, the only other people who filmed in IMAX, it was like Christopher Nolan. And like, at that point that was like it. Yeah. Like, big budget movie. It was, it was a big and deal I, and unusual for a movie to have just a sequence that was shot in IMAX. Yeah. And I was just like, and I just remember when that scene, because I remember I we went to go see it. I was having a lot of fun. That Dubai sequence, it is not. It is my third favorite Mission Impossible movie. However, that du- the entire Dubai sequence is hands down, no question, my favorite sequence in the entire Mission Impossible franchise. I would I would agree. I would agree. And I remember yeah. like in the lead up to that movie, like reading reviews and just like the little like nuggets people were dropping were just like. But this this sequence where he climbs a skyscraper in Dubai, like, you're not going to believe this. Like, pe- people were sort of hinting, like, before yeah. the movie came out, like, thi- this sequence is something else and is, like, a real high mark I, for the there series. There is nothing I would give. There, I have a big problem with Ghost Protocol in that all of its home media releases have nixed the IMAX footage. Mm-hmm. It just is all in one aspect ratio. It's in 2.4 to 1 because Brad Bird was like, I don't know. I, I find changing aspect ratios, like distracting and i'm like okay so why did you film it in imax you asshole but also like also i'm not taking advice from you you directed tomorrowland um you chose to do tomorrowland instead of force awakens so how about you sit down um no but like i just wish i could have access to that and it's like full glory yeah because it's so and like it's not even just the climbing sequence it's the entire like double play between like Paula Patton and yeah. uh and you know the two separate levels between Paula Patton and Leia Sedu. Leia Sedu first movie I well now I saw her in the that Robin Hood movie. Is she in a she Harry was, Potter movie? 
Mm-mm. No. No. That I don't was, know why um, I always Cl- thought she, she... That was uh, Clement's Posey. Oh, that's right. Yep. 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 She was for Delacour. I see what, what you were thinking with that, though. But, like, that... I remember when I saw it, it was, like, a pack, the packed IMAX in Raleigh. And I remember the scene where they were like, she's getting away, and Paula Patton was like, I've got her, and took her shoes off to chase her. I remember the theater went up at that cat fight. So good. Ever, I mean, even just like the small scenes in that movie just work to a wonderful degree. It's, it's really funny. That's um, how good this series is, where I'm like, it's my third favorite, and I'm talking about it like I'm talking about it currently. Yeah. So then after that, I feel like the series takes like this really big shift into where Cruz brings on Christopher McQuarrie, who up at that point, I mean, he won an Oscar for the screenplay for The Usual Suspects and um, had had written a few other scripts in Hollywood. But I think in the years leading up to him being handed Mission Impossible, had kind of become Cruz's sort of go to ghost writer, like did apparently like a lot of the he did apparently a big rewrite of Ghost Protocol to like yeah, make it more Cruz centered. Yeah. Um, cause that was going to be the one where they were going to like hand it off to Jeremy Renner and exit Cruz out. Cause God, like, remember when he was in that series? Oof. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the weird part about the two movies that he's in is it's very much like, oh yeah, you kind of have nothing to do because Cruz to his credit was just sort of like, you're not, re- you're, they're not going to take my series away from me and kind of second well, it, fiddle. It to was very Jeremy much Renner. so like Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien where it's like, let's bring him in to replace me. And then he's like, Actually, no, I think I like doing this. That's, I think, like, that's this a dead on comparison. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my thing. You go away. You go away and do your little Marvel shit. And then, um, then they tried to do it with Bourne, too. And then Matt Damon was like, nope. Nope. Yep. I'm coming back. But then but then Matt Damon came back and everyone was like, can we just end this? And then Matt can Damon came back and did this? the worst Bourne movie. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, um, But yeah, so Christopher McQuarrie comes on and I feel like him, he's directed every entry five through now seven and i feel like the series like it's him and cruz kind of in a partnership now like he's pretty much involved with every cruise project at this point i feel like Let's he gets cruise christopher quarry is a fabulous screenwriter he is a fabulous director we need to recognize though that he is also tom cruise's biggest enabler <laughs> And I think that's why Tom Cruise loves working with him so much, because there is one thing that Christopher McQuarrie will never say to that man, and it's no. Yeah, it seems like their relationship from, like, interviews that I've heard is kind of Cruise comes to him and is like, here's some set pieces I want. Like, I want to jump out of a plane on a motorcycle or something, and then Christopher McQuarrie will be like... All right, so now I'm going to try and write a scene around that, and that him talking about how these most recent Mission Impossible movies basically get written that way of like Cruz comes to him with like, these are the stunts I want to do. And then macquarie has got to like write a screenplay around it. Um, and then sort of be the kind of like, you know, the technician to look after and be like, all right, what do we have to do? So we don't kill one of the biggest movie stars in the world while he tries to do any of this. But crazy also stuff. I know there's a part of him of like, Ooh, if we killed him, that would be great publicity for this movie. We already got him to snap his foot on camera once. He always looks so stressed in these behind-the-scenes interviews. Where Cru- would Cruz, you not be? Cru- well, Cruz, it's funny, is just, like, I watched the one the other day about, like, the big motorcycle jump that's in all the trailers for this new one. And Cruz just being like, yeah, it was fun. And McQuarrie is just, like, perspiring from, like, the face, from, like, all over Tom his body. Cruise, is like, I'm so nervous that we're actually going to kill him doing this. Tom Cruise is a toddler with a knife. <laughs> he is just running around, like, look at me. I'm having the time of my life. I'm going, the, nothing bad will ever happen to and me. And Chris Corey is, like, the kindergarten teacher that's like, I just need to make it to four o'clock when your parents pick me like, pick you up. <laughs> like, please don't die on me. <laughs> so, please do it. Why couldn't you have died during the mummy? Like, come on. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, I think uh, Rogue Nation, the fifth one's a lot of fun. Um, it's my Fall- favorite. That's your favorite. So, Fallout my is favorite. my is my favorite. I've I've told Fallout's many pe- everyone's favorite. Yeah, that is it's the one where I favorite. left and was like, that's one of the best action movies I've ever seen. And then like ran around a parking lot in Greensboro for like ten minutes. See, that's how I felt about Rogue Nation because I remember going into Rogue Nation being like, they're not following up. Mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol. 
I'm like, I, where's Brad Bird? Who is this who we brought in? Yeah, I was like, why are they bringing the guy who wrote The Usual Suspects on yeah, to do it? I'm like, I don't movie? want him. I don't want it. It's not shot in IMAX. Paula Patton's not here. Where are we? What are we doing? And then it ends up, like, introducing us to Christopher McQuarrie at the hands of Mission Impossible. It introduces us to Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Who is so good. And I have discovered recently in rewatching this series that I like it when Mission Impossible is a little bit smaller and a little bit smarter mm. rather than doing necessarily the biggest and baddest thing in the world. Mm. And I think Fallout is a little bit more that where it's like, I don't think it's as smart as it is impressive. And I like it to be a little bit more balanced, but I can see yeah. I'm like one of the weirdos. Like I love Fallout. But compared to the other three, compared to uh, Ghost Protocol, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and and, and uh, Rogue Nation, it's it just, oof, I love the other ones. Cause yeah, the one thing I'll I give just, against against Fallout is I do think it is, other than the first one, maybe like the most convoluted of any of these movies in a yeah. way of like, there is like so much double crossing and like, wait, is this agency bad, but then this one's good, but then, like, why is this other one trying to come after them, yeah. and, and stuff like that, yeah. but I, I just sort of turn my why brain off Why is Michelle Monaghan back? Why the f*** is Wes Bentley here? Right, but um, at a certain point, I just sort of turn my brain off, and it's just like, I just want to watch Tom basically do a jackass movie for I, I two will hours. Say, I will say, when I rewatched Fallout recently, I remember being, like, flabbergasted by the sky, like, the skydiving scene, Yeah, and it, it still was, don't get me wrong, but Damn it, that helicopter sequence. That was the one in the theater where I was like, holy crap, he's actually flying the helicopter. Yeah. That, like, when it opened up to that full IMAX ratio on Paramount Plus when I watched it, I was like, oh, wait, this is hitting a little differently than it did the first time. So, like, I don't, you know, I, I love Fallout, but I just adore the other three as well. And I adore this new one. Yeah, I'm... because again, it's not as big and bad and like we're gonna do the biggest thing possible. I mean, he does run. That's the thing. That's what's crazy about this series is I can be like, it's not the biggest one in the series, and it's like he rides a motorcycle off of like a two thousand foot cliff. Right? How is that not the biggest one? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just you know, it's just yeah. it's a little bit more grounded up to that point because th that that thing takes place towards the end of the film unlike the halo jump being literally like 20 minutes into yeah. fallout so uh, the one other thing i'll mention about christopher mccrory which is kind of getting to what you said around mission possible 2 with like the character of ethan hunt i feel like christopher mccrory has done a good job at sort of like zoning in on like all right what what is sort of a consistent personality for this character whereas kind of like those first three movie three or four movies especially it feels like it almost feels like Cruz is playing different characters like Ethan Hunt's is this wisecracking like young guy in the first movie and then he's also this like family man in the third one but then he's are like you James Bond are you Jason Bourne are you Spider-Man like right like what are you and and I think Chris Murray just sort of zones in on him being this like daredevil crazy person that's just sort of overwhelmed with their job and like has no nothing else in their life and i think that gives these later movies a bit of like a consistency with yeah. him that you know i i feel like he has sort of helped kind of shave down kind of all right let's let's get to sort of the most bare bones essence of like what what is ethan hunt as a character not just sort of like tom cruise well, that's the thing. I feel like Christopher McQuarrie is like has let Ethan Hunt become more like Tom Cruise. That's fair. Not necessarily. Yeah. It's not him. It's not Tom Cruise just being Tom Cruise. There is absolutely a character there because Tom Cruise is a lot less like anxious and like out there as Ethan Hunt is, especially in those you know big moments. That was the big thing where I was like, oh, that's right. He's not Tom Cruise when like. He found out he had to jump off the cliff in the new one. He was, like, nervous. And I'm like, Tom Cruise wouldn't be. Yeah. No, Tom Cruise wouldn't be. Tom Cruise probably was like, yes. <laughs> so it was Tom Cruise's idea. Yeah. So, but, like, yeah, it's definitely more of, like, 
not an everyman because they tried that in Mission Impossible 3 and it wasn't that, but just definitely more of just like an incredibly dedicated agent who like it's literally jump first, think second. Yes, that's exactly you it. know of you know we'll figure this out later, but uh, first I gotta climb this building. Hold and on. I think playing a little bit into like he will do anything, but. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be happy about it, right? There's a level of exhaustion on Cruz's face, like right before he does some of these sequences, and I think kind of like McQuarrie getting into this, like this character will do literally anything, but he he's not thrilled about the fact that I have to like you know fight someone on a moving train or something like that. There's a great moment in the new one when like when he lands from that base jump, where like he's just so disoriented <laughs> and just can't even speak. That, I loved that moment because I was like, oh, that's right. He is human. He's not, He again, he's not Tom Cruise. He's not like, like, how are you alive? It's a little bit like last week, you know, we talked about Harrison Ford in honor of the new Indiana Jones movie and talking about him in Raiders, just like the look of annoyedness yeah. on, on his face about like, he like does not want to be in an action movie. And every time he has to fight a Nazi, he's just like, and like rolls his eyes or looks so exhausted and tired and that kind of really works to making that character relatable um let's talk about the new one which um is called dead reckoning part one i think the worst title in this series i think my other hot take is let's stop having part one titles in movies let's just this can be dead reckoning and the next one could be like mission impossible ethan hunt never stop stopping or something like that yeah here's the thing with that it could have not been that i mean here's the thing i understand why they did it because they're doing them so close together like the next one comes out next year this doesn't feel like a part one movie like it kind of does because it obviously ends on like somewhat of a cliffhanger but it's not as cheap as other part one movies there are and like you know the kind of (laughs) yeah twilight fast and furious um even Hunger Games, I rewatched those recently, and it's like, yeah, when you watch them all together, it's fine. But I remember I had to wait a year between part one and part two of Mockingjay, and I was like, this sucks. Yeah. You know, because it didn't need that. This could not be one movie if they tried to do the entire thing in one. However, I don't know. I Do you, do you I think America like, would have sat down for a four-hour Mission Impossible movie if they were just like, we're holding off? Would America? Like, Probably not. Would I? Absolutely, I yeah. would. Um, well, here's the thing that, you know, the next one's going to be like three and a half hours long. Probably. It has to be. If I mean, this one was what? Two, 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 two or two Oh, wow. Yeah. Time flies yeah. when you're having fun. Um, seriously, <laughs> I was like, wow, that was almost three hours. Like that's a, that's a nicely paced movie. So I really don't feel like I need to get into the needles of the plot for this movie because honestly, who really who cares? cares about the plots of Mission Impossible movies? But I guess the general You'll kind of like get there. IMDb summary is uh, Ethan Hunt is is going up against a rogue AI system. And, you know, this movie, much like all Tom Cruise movies these days, is really about Tom Cruise. And I don't know about you, Hunter, but Fighting the entire time... sentient computer butthole. Yeah, the entire time I could not help but thinking about this movie in regards to all the AI conversations surrounding the entertainment industry with like the writer strike and the um it sounds like impending actor strike They're and coming, coming soon. You know, this being Cruise being sort of like the poster boy now for this like old school movie star that still wants to keep one foot in and still wants to keep alive these like old fashioned blockbuster um he is movie making traditions st- he is on the phone with the studio every <laughs> night insurance companies <laughs> they're looking to us was it that the it. greatest moment the greatest thing to come out of the pandemic probably i mean this mo- here's the thing you also have to remember this movie shot during the pandemic before any of this was actually like fully timely like it was but whatever in the movie where they were like here we'll pay you off with like four thousand or like four million dollars worth of cryptocurrency i'm like that wouldn't go so far these days hun no no like but this is to me kind of like thinking of this as like an allegory for cruise like this really feels like 
Cruz saying, I want to give you, I'm going to make this old fashioned blockbuster with like big practical stunts that's shot on film that has me like an old fashioned movie star at the center and do a movie shot digitally. Just oh, oh, whoops. You, you've corrected me, but you know, it on, in a sense, like an old fashioned blockbuster experience, but in it, he is up against kind of like the digital algorithms that, you know, I could not help but think of the way that like algorithms run our entertainment today, whether it be, you know, your Netflix queue space or talking about AI generated scripts and AI generated actors and um, what the future of, of, of technology means for our entertainment sphere. Um, and this sort of being a movie about Cruz sort of fighting back against that. What do you think about that theory kind of? Because that's all I could think about throughout the entire movie. Well, it's kind of one of those things of just, like, so much of it is spoken about in the sense of, like, wars will be fought with this. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's going to be, like, digital wars now. There's not actually a need for, like, you. Mm -hmm. Like, when, when we get our hands on this, there will be no Ethan Hunts anymore, because everything will be done with the entity. Yeah. Which, like... Can we give it a name? Yeah. Sharon. The, the, like just having like the Barbara. vague kind of uh, what's Skynet system give thing. Give it a voice. It, yeah. Give it a voice. Bring in, bring in, um, I don't know. Bring in like Helen Mirren or something. She's in the Fast and Furious movies. She'll absolutely do a Mission Impossible one. I think this series works best when there's sort of like a, a clear antagonistic villain for Cruz to go up against as opposed to just sort of this like vague kind of conspiracy organization thing there is a villain in this one like a very clear one but he's working on behalf of that's true computer program isai morales is very good in this and the entire time i was watching this i couldn't help but think this was gonna be nicholas holt is that who this originally was going to be yes he was supposed to be the villain i would not have and i was like I would not have either. Well, because so much of it is like, well, here's the one thing, a big thing I didn't like about this when they tried to like tie it to like he's from Ethan's past. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really. We I'm don't like, need to do that re- unless you have some really grand plans about what's about to happen in part two. Which, again, one of the reasons that I think like this doesn't work as a part one is that usually with cheap part one movies, I can spot what's about to come in part two from a mile away. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the first thing that they're about to do with part two of this yeah i don't know who's coming back i don't know what they're about to do all i know is the one place they're going that's alluded to at the end of it which i will not spoil obviously but like even then i don't even know what they're gonna do with that like you know it's again they could have done like a play on words to imply that they are kind of one part of another but yeah kind of in the same way that like across the spider-verse and beyond the spider-verse yeah i will i I will like that yeah, but even then, like even like that Dune, was a- you know what? Call it like Dune Battlefield or something like. I don't know. Don't don't call it Dune Part Two. We're not the Godfather. Yeah. Let's well, get a bit a bit creative. Because apparently they're doing a third one now. But then um, you call that one like Dune Messiah or whatever book you're like basing that third one on. Yeah, which I'm just like, okay, at that point, just let's not even do the part twos because now there's an expectation to do more numbered, right? Whatever. Um. But yeah, that's kind of that. But yeah, he's Isai Morales is quite good in it. Um, he's very attractive. Everyone in this movie is so hot. I like, I I was I was worried I was going to really embarrass myself talking about Haley Atwell on on this oh, podcast. She is. Ju- I mean, I mean, talk 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 about just like the be- Hul- best part of the movie. I'm, or I, I mean, she's great in the movie. I was gonna say talk about a Hall of Fame Jesse crush, but um, she. I'm waiting for her to do a Nigella Lawson biopic. I'm just like, girl, come on. Oh, I'm just. It's one of those. It's one of those times where I'm like, why did why did we disrespect you like this? Why I don't understand we, either. Why did we Why did we kind of drop you after they canceled Agent Carter? Because you should have been in everything. Yeah, you just, know. You know just, what my secret. But, well, I don't even know just if it's much stunning. of a secret. What my favorite Haley Atwell thing is the 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 one that was like not Captain America, but the one thing that was the real like, oh, I think I'm in love with this person. Was it the one where she was old and Captain America too? 
Uh, no, but that would have been really funny. No, it's the the Black Mirror episode with her and Domino Gleason. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was like one of the, that was one of the early. That was one of the ones, very first ones. I think that's from like the first season or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She's she's great. Um, also, I didn't know there's a tomb because I remember this entire time watching this. I was like, ooh. I know they're rebooting Tomb Raider soon. They should do, like, an older Lara who's, like, been around the bent because, like, she'd be a great, like, older Lara Croft. And then I found out that Netflix is doing a Tomb Raider anime and she's voicing Lara Croft. Oh. And I'm like, perfect. I'll take that. Just I'll absolutely take that. Just giving greatness out into the world. Thanks, Haley uh, Atwell. Yeah. I, this, I really do think this is, like, everything that her, like, everything that her career needs yeah she she's a really fun addition to this movie and i think you know i we've we've talked about it some with in regards to top gun last year like it's very hard for people to have it's cruz does not often have great chemistry with women um on screen he's had a good run of it recently i mean him and rebecca ferguson are great it might i maybe like would wish that they she was in a little bit more of this movie um yeah, I, she's, I I can't for spoilers she sake. Takes a, no. Well, yeah. she definitely takes a, a second a second fiddle to Haley Atwell. I would even argue maybe a third one to Vanessa Kirby, who has a lot more to do in this one, and who's also um, like just devouring du- the scenery. They love duplicitous white women. Duplicitous white women with British accents, and then also Pom Clementine, who is great in this, and I wish she was in it more. Yeah, the thing Just I was thinking about with, bitch. with uh Vanessa Kirby is I had forgotten that her character is technically supposed to be related to Vanessa Redgrave's character yeah, from the, the first movie and and this whole time was until just my... until that moment where um there's there's like a moment where it's like directly acknowledged like later in the movie but um until that moment I was just like man she's really like got that like Vanessa Redgrave like you know, it's just yeah. sort of like, it's like a snake, like, slithering out its tongue I whenever forgot. she's talking. And then, like, it's acknowledged that she's, you know, basically the granddaughter or daughter of that character. Daughter. Like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense Well, now. they acknowledge it in Fallout, but it's really fleeting. And I yeah. remember when I rewatched Fallout recently, having, having like, shotgunned all of the other films right before it, because it was fresh in my mind, I was like, wait, since when is she Max's daughter? Yeah. I've seen Fallout before, and I didn't even know this. And then it was like, Oh, his character makes so much more sense now. And I'm very glad she had a lot more to do in this one and hopefully the next one too. Uh, also her hot brother. I'm telling you everyone in this movie is just gorgeous. Even Kittredge like Henry Ch- Henry Cherney aged wonderfully. Simon Pegg, one of my secret crushes. Really? I just, I, uh, yes. That kind of makes yes, sense kind of knowing you. That seems it like really a hundred <laughs> It is absolutely, and even like Ving Rams, he's a he's a handsome man. What do you think about Simon Six, Pegg with more? the the white bleached blonde kind of looking like Sam Smith haircut? I'm into it. Okay, <laughs> I love I love a man who does a hairstyle that is absolutely not in his age range. Where uh, I'm like, oh, you probably should have done this 20 years ago but it's fine yeah i really had a hoot with um with kittredge coming back because i just love that character from the first movie and obviously that that great scene in the carry always showing up just again chewing the scene right yeah yeah so i mean it's 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 everyone involved even when they're making callbacks to previous movies which is sort of rare for this series like you know this one has a lot of callbacks to the first one yeah a lot of this movie feels like the first one where like the entire last sequence takes place on a train there's a fight on top of a train yeah there's like it it definitely feels kind of like not an homage but definitely just sort of like this is where we came from but also let's show you what we're also doing now yeah so let's talk about the the action set pieces um i think for me the two that really make this movie worth it to me are there's the big car chase in Rome, so which good. is so funny and so great. Just like the re- definitely the, the funniest. Most of this movie is like the most somber of the franchise. But I would the agree. Rome sequence was the funniest, where like just that teeny little car, and it definitely like 
and, Broke and up the Cruz kind of and like, Atwell being like handcuffed to each other and having to awkwardly yeah. like take turns taking the wheel and yeah. her just screaming one, the whole time. That was one time when I was like, yep, they have chemistry. This is great. Yeah. And then obviously you kind of alluded to the whole final act of this movie is set on this train, which I didn't realize until I saw a behind the scenes thing that they built a whole train and everything. Did they show it before your screening? No, they didn't. So like the whole time I was like, so clearly like, you know, I'm sure they did some fights on on a moving train. And I'm sure like, you know, but they did like the indoor stuffs on a set. And I, I I was like, I know how movies work. I'm sure like this is stitched together. You thought with, like, they did something on a set? Well, I thought, thought like. Tom Cruise let them do something <laughs> on a set? Well, what then find out like, no, we built a whole thing. Is? We were shooting on a moving train when the train's falling off the bridge. The train's really falling off the bridge. You know, Cruise is really having that fist fight on a moving train. You know, he's really jumped, you know, I knew he jumped yeah. off that cliff, but it was sort of like, oh, I, I thought this was like a couple fights and stuff were just done around a moving train. I didn't realize you guys built a train and then like blew it up at the end. I mean, kind of spoilers. Also, too. as someone like, I, so I agree with that. I also had a lot of fun with the opening sequence at the air or not the opening, but the sequence at the airport. Because okay. I'm a. I'm a big airport nerd, and I was like, bitch, that's Abu Dhabi. I need to know how much Etihad paid for all of the product placement in this, because I'm assuming it's all of the capital that they have left, because they don't have much of it. Yeah, what, what um, are your takes on the Abu Dhabi airport? Beautiful. Okay. Gorgeous. All of, all of the United Arab Emirates stuff is gorgeous, but I, I understand why they shot at the Abu Dhabi one, because it's much prettier than the Dubai airport, but also they are clamoring to try to even be mentioned in the same breath as Dubai. So like, I'm not surprised they like really put that money forward. But um, as someone who loves like transit and stuff like that, I had a lot of train envy watching this movie because I was like, could you imagine them trying to do this on an Amtrak? Should we bring back trains like, like steam engine trains? Like, should that just be like the set transportation now? Luxury, yeah, luxury trains where I was just like, y'all just get to ride between cities and that. That's a thing in Europe. Like, like, would you, you would you take a trip to Chicago or to like Los Angeles? If you could just ride a train across the country, if I could do that, if I could ride in that train, they were on the Orient Express. Absolutely. Um, I, took a train i used to, i mean one time i took a train between charlotte and durham when, like when i first started college because i was like ooh, the train i took um, one between charlotte and philadelphia i think that why it I was for that. a mission trip in, in high school and we had to take the train and i there's i don't god knows how old some of the stains on that amtrak car were oh but yeah let me tell you that Vanessa Kirby would have would not have been caught dead on any of the trains he could ride in the United States. No, I I think we need to bring back luxury trains is the, my biggest takeaway from this movie. Or at least make them high speed enough to where I don't have to fucking deal with it for too long. Like bullet train? Regardless. Huh? Like bullet train last year? Oh, I didn't even see that because I just saw the reviews and I was like, okay. Never mind. I'm busy. I mean, I it's not good, but it would at least open us up to a like which train experience is better but for even you. Even then, those are lovely trains in Japan and ch- like China, like in yeah. East Asia as well. Like where the fu- whatever. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, those those three sequences particularly, but especially that Rome sequence was just so goddamn yeah. Fun. That that like, probably is my favorite set piece in the movie, while also just sort of like I mean, I I can't deny that. And it's the motor- a car chase sequence. Yeah, and I mean the motorcycle like, jump is part of the train sequence towards the end and stuff. I mean that that just whole final act is just like a thing of movie magic. But the the Rome car chase and the tiny little Fiat uh, was I I just had like the biggest grin on my face and was like yeah. this is what I come to this series for. Yeah, like that Palm Clementine just screaming while she's trying to run them down. Like she's, she's like driving this like old hummer like through the tank yeah just like she's having a blast you know it's just it's it's so fun and it's like kind of squarely in the middle of the movie so it just kind of breaks up that like yeah just again the like seriousness that comes from so much else of the film because shit does get pretty serious it it is i will agree like 
probably the most somber installment yeah. of this the series. The stakes are the highest. Where I, like there were some times where I was just like, "Damn, this is a lot." Like they're like really putting these characters through it in this one. Because again, I think they think it's the last one, and they actually have to involve some stakes this time around instead of just you know telling out with Baldwin to go away, which I support. Um, but like you know, it's. It's a, it's a lot, and I'm very interested to see how they handle it in part two. Okay, so uh, two questions to kind of wrap us up with, with Mission Impossible. One is to get, uh, I think we should both share our ranking of the Mission Impossible movies. And then I want to hear from you, if this series was to, you know, go back to its old model of, like, as a director's showcase, who is one director who you would kill to do oh, just, I like, their version this. of a Tom Cruise spy movie? Oh no! Oh. I can go first if you need to like mentally prepare this. I absolutely do. Hold on. Okay, oh, so no. so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up my my letterbox list of of Mission Impossible. Now I I know I know my ranking off the top of my head. Okay, I'll I'll say that my ranking I have Fallout at number one. Okay. Number two, I have Ghost Protocol. Uh-huh. Number three, Rogue Nation. I have okay. the fourth. I have not the. I have the first Mission Impossible at number four. Okay. Then I have Dead Reckoning Part One. Okay. Then three, and then two. Like I said, is really the only one I don't like. Okay. Yeah. We have very. We have relatively different ones. I have a feeling so- like I don't like this new one as much as you do, while still thinking it's a lot of fun. And I probably am yep. a little bit more fond of the first one than you are. Yeah, so mine is Rogue Nation. Okay. Uh Dead Reckoning. Okay. Part one, currently. Again, once recency bias wears off, it might switch between that and Ghost Protocol, but number three is Ghost Protocol. Then um Fallout. Okay. Then three, then one, and then two. Okay. Maybe I might maybe I might switch three and one. I don't know. Now I'm I'm gonna stick with what I said. I'm a, I'm gonna stick with what I said. I'm I'm more of a I'd rather defend Brian De Palma than J.J. Abrams as much as I love. Spilt See, Timor that's Hoffman. the problem where it's like I think I might have liked three more, but I don't like J.J. Abrams enough to like go to bat for him. It's like I think two or I think one has better filmmaking, but also like Hoffman is just so great as the villain in three that like yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um. I guess I'll go ahead and 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 give you unless you've you've got it off the top of your head what your, your dream director one. pick would be. Yeah, I have one currently. If if you could only pick one, like Cruz calls you up right now and is like, "Hey, Macquarie, he just like can't do another one." Any director who would you want to do there? And and this is like what they were doing. Like the entire aesthetic of the movie is going to bend around their style. Oh, okay. Well, good because uh, it's currently he's currently the director of my favorite movie of the year. Hands down, no question. I would hire Chad Stelsky. Okay. Because if he could make something like John Wick Chapter 4 into Mission Impossible, like that just the aesthetic of Chapter 4 with the just frenetic, yeah, just making it so much more like chaotic yeah. beyond just what it is, I would say that would be the one I would go to, mostly just because I think he could uphold the craziness that Macquarie has set forth. Yeah. Now, granted, you could also, like, take a big swing and maybe be, like, I don't know, try to, like, do a De Palma-type thing and get someone who, like, hasn't made a movie that big to try to do it, but... I also don't know if that would work in this day and age because Cruz is such kind of a creative force that it's more of like who's willing to work with and enable him as opposed yeah. to like all of that. And I feel like I feel like Stahelski could do that way more than like here's the thing. Knowing studios, they probably would try to hire David Leach, which I'm like, huh. But like nah. no. It's definitely that's that's my pick. I I don't know if there's really anyone else. I would maybe if I could get if I could get the if I could get Ang Lee at the height of Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. Okay. Also maybe. Okay. But no other time period of him. 
Okay. Nothing else. You don't want not you don't want to like hundreds of frames per second I don't, angly. <laughs> I don't want I don't want Gemini Man angly. But like maybe if we could do maybe try like another like Asian like East Asian filmmaker taking yeah. like a, a crack at it and like Ang Lee's action that he did in like Crouching Tiger is so much different than the type of action like John Woo does. Yeah. So uh you know something like that or you know again you really can't go wrong with any of like the like Asian film directors. There are some good ones out of Indonesia mm-hmm. like Timo Tenato and you know even like Gareth Evans from like The Raid could probably pull it off too but that that's opening a whole can of worms of like an entirely different part of the world that I could go on about. What is yours? I'm I'm excited to unload this. Th- this this will be when I say it, you'll be like, oh, of course, that's like what you would pick. While also like I I went for like, is it a- Schrader? Is it Paul Schrader? Just kidding. no, but wouldn't that be fascinating? Uh, no, I would love to see uh Michael Mann do a Mission Impossible Ooh. movie and do it Ooh, like I like the like Miami Vice like Miami Vice do like heat. full moody whatever the kind of weird HD cameras he's doing like maybe even there's less crazy set pieces but it is just like my Michael Mann's like moody uh Miami Vice-esque Mission Impossible movie and we know Ooh. he works great with crews because of collateral like old man like old man Ethan Hunt yeah like like an Logan but like with all that oh that would be good that would be very good did you see his new that ferrari got picked up for distribution finally so excited yeah which vroom, I'm like, vroom. let's go i'm like, i'm trying neon. to stay optimistic wow. as the the michael mann fan of like i'm trying to stay optimistic that heat 2 will happen and that uh ferrari will actually be good well if ferrari is good well here's the thing you know neon can market the fuck out of a movie so like I've I've heard a little bit of early rumblings on Ferrari that I can tell you off mic that I don't feel comfortable of saying, you know, as public record that make me That a... doesn't sound promising. Okay. But cool. I'm trying to stay optimistic as like that is like one thing that I heard like in a blog. So okay. well, Um but yes, I would I would love if before Michael Mann died and if Cruz like cannot, you know, jump out of a plane anymore if he's just like Michael, do do this one for me and we get the the moody dream like michael mann movie that'd be awesome that could be that could be really fun actually uh well hunter thank you for for stopping by this week to to talk about about tom cruise and about mission impossible coming up in the latest um hunter what what are which which movie are you going to cancel first on the internet is it going to be oppenheimer or barbie well so here's the thing Barbie, um, is it going to be the know, feminist satire is, about it, a toy, is or is it going to be the apocalyptic? It's for girl and me, not girl. Therefore, I can't like it. But also, Oppenheimer has an age gap. Yeah. So I just I don't know what I can support in this day and age. Do I support woke or do I support age gap? Like you know, you have to erase it? one movie. Are you going to be? Are you going to be for? for feminism oh, you, and oh, go for saw, barbie you saw, or, you saw johnny's poll too of like if you could erase it from history i'm, I'm just I, not no I, no shots at johnny who is a very lovely no, person it's a good question but, it's a good gr- i'm actually, so annoyed it's, it's with the like question. binary argument of people talking about these two it's, movies that could not be question. more different <laughs> i'm not i am not complaining about it i like i like the fights honestly and i can't believe i'm saying this if you had asked me a year ago I would not have believed myself. I would probably pick Barbie. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I just love how it looks. I love everything that's going for it, minus Simu Liu, and other than that, it's fine. Um, just whizless man. That being said, it is it is ironic, though, that I am seeing Oppenheimer first, technically. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm excited for both movies, because I like both Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig, and but can hold both troops. But I am, uh, I chose to see Oppenheimer first. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because, well, I mean, they're screening it for y'all in 70 mil, right? Yes, and it has Florence Pugh in it, which makes it an obligation that I have to see it first. Yeah, and you're going to get a lot of her, apparently, um, (laughs) from what I've heard. Yeah, no, so, I mean, I am seeing Oppenheimer first, because I'll be in D.C. I'm not seeing an IMAX, I'm doing just regular 70 mil, because it was an option of, like, doing digital IMAX. 
that's in a not big IMAX theater, or do I do it in 70 mil? And then I remembered, oh shit, I have a press screening that's going to be in IMAX, so like, this is my second viewing, so I'll just do that. So we are double, literally double-heading Oppenheimer, Barbie, like, straight through, um, because why not? Also, AMC announced that like 20,000 Stubbs members have already gotten tickets to both on the same day, which is just chaotic. Not our to seats, uh, the Sound of Freedom? Are, no, and our seats, let me tell you, I got our seats like about, God, maybe a week ago, and they are not good. Ugh. We like, I waited just a little too long. That shit is selling on both counts heavily. So, um, the movies, as we Tom love Cruise it. would say, the movies are back. So, as Tom Cruise would say, see you at the movies, and now I'm going to go or jump out of an as, airplane. Or as uh, Nicole Kidman would say, Actually, I can't do it off the top of my head. It has to be. There's something of like time. we come here to lap. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Yeah. Our heroes feel Our larger. Our heroes than feel life. perfect and powerful because here, they are. AMC theaters. We make movies better. All right, now let's uh, roll the awful Regal promo and be out of here. <laughs>